Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 206 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, it's another episode of The Media Pit with Zach and Michael, and we are breaking down everything that happened in last weekend's Copenburg Cross Race. Before we get that, we'd love for you to head over to willowskitchen.com. Check out Willow's Oat Milk, best oat milk out there. That's all you need to know. That and that if you use the code CROSSHAIRS20, you'll get 20% off your purchase at Willow's Kitchen. Go buy some oat milk. Like your granola, like in your coffee, smoothies, whatever milk needs you have. Check out the creamiest, tastiest, most protein-packed oat milk out there. Willow's Oat Milk, willowskitchen.com. Crosshairs20 is the coupon. Also, head over to wideanglepodium.com. That's where you can get your Grimp Your Brother's Coffee. You can get your Buckler Skin Cream Chamois Cream, the Miracle Wap. And you can also subscribe to the network and become a member. And we would love to have you. Uh, it's It can be $5 a month, $10 a month, on up from there. Uh, we pay like thousands of dollars in server fees. And you all helping out with that by becoming a member and getting to take advantage of all of this content helps us provide it to you. So WideAnglePodium.com. Finally, finally, as part of the Wide Angle Podium. We also have our YouTube channel that we are building out. Lots more stuff planned for that channel. Right now we got little guys previews out there. Also the Cyclocross Heat Check is rolling again this year. Three episodes just dropped the latest one hours ago. So go check out the Cyclocross Heat Check. Subscribe to the channel, like, comment, share, get in touch with us at feedback at cxhairs.com. If you got something to say, get over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast. Be great to have a couple more five-star reviews there so it can get shared around the world. And that's it. We got Zach and Michael. We're in the pit. We're talking about Copenburg Cross. And we're doing that right now. We're back in the pit. Michael, how's it going? I'm feeling very entertained. I watched my favorite uh, Tim Burton movie, Lars Attacks. Zach, would you like an opportunity to steal? Well, you know, I, I things got a little heated in the pit, and we saw a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of action on the Twitter, and you know, good good feedback and chatter. I think we really enjoyed it. But I, I'm a little concerned that Michael might uh, duck some of the hard questions here this week. Ooh, okay, amazing! Right. Wow, right. that's good, Zach. Okay. You know, and that's a that's a great place to start. We need to we need to do a little um a little housekeeping here at the beginning. So no longer the the Dave A. V. Trophy that is that's off the table. New sponsor, the. X2O Bodcomers? <laughs> Bodcomers, yeah. Bodcomers means bathroom. They they have a uh they they have a a which uh, Zach was alluding to, the mascot is 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 a big rubber ducky. So what are we calling this? Is this potty cross? Is this rubber ducky cross? Is this bathroom cross? Any ideas? X2O, just go with chalk. 
I really like Potty Cross. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was, you know, slightly disturbed because originally I thought the sponsor was they made porta potties. And I was mm-hmm. really trying to figure out at what point does the rubber ducky fit into the porta potty. So I was glad to know they actually do like it's like Quick Step or whatever. It's a home improvement thing. So yeah, I was yeah. They just relieved. they they just specialize in 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 bathrooms. Yeah, and and you know you can't have you can't have two porta potty cyclocross series out there, and you already <laughs> have the toy toy cop. So you know they I think that they would they would probably sue. It's probably against UCI regs. Yeah. So maybe we'll get into this, but I was telling you guys in the green room, for me, this was super creepy because to celebrate Halloween, uh, I decided to watch Ghostbusters and I did that immediately following watching the cyclocross race. And there were just, there were so many large inflatables. And then I watched Ghostbusters and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man comes on the scene. And I was, I'm glad it wasn't the other way around because I would have just freaked out. So if there was a Belgian... A Belgian uh, remake of Ghostbusters. It would be the Het Newsblad guy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, I mean, this is this would terrify half the half the audience. Would be the giant mayonnaise tube. <laughs> the Saz's mayonnaise tube. Yeah. So we were also we were talking about this too. Wasn't there wasn't there a Monopoly man? I swear to God, there was a Monopoly man there too. Like the, this was weird, right? Because I, I think maybe we can talk about like the ambiance of this race because you know Copenberg is typically on holiday. It's on All Souls Day. It's a giant party. You know, people go to the cross race actually just to go to the the raver afterwards down in the city. Uh, you know, so this is one of the first ones too that I think you just kind of had these broad shots. It just lends itself to zoomed out shots where maybe the lack of crowd was really noticeable for the first time what do you guys think I, I yes and but also i was noticing it seemed like there were parts where there was definitely a lot of friends and family that were able to work their way on onto the course um and and you never get you know on the copenberg itself it's never it's really hard for people to watch. I mean, even the photographers you see, they're all, they're all kind of like ducking out of the way when they come through. Cause there really isn't much place for anybody to stand, but yeah, I don't know that didn't, I, what do you think, Michael? Did it, did it strike you? The, the crowd? I, I, I was hard. Yeah. I kind of have the same feelings, Bill. I mean, I guess the one thing that st- struck me and is, was that was there piped in crowd noise at the finish? I think so. Yes. Did I, yeah. Did I hear that correct? Okay. That was that, that was weird. <laughs> there was mannequins, right, on the podium. Yeah, mannequins on the podiums. Yeah, that was something I tweeted out. There was because to speak to your point, Zach, there was Monopoly board games gifted to the podium. So I don't know the tie-in. What is that? It's not Hasbro. Who's who's Monopoly? I don't know. Um, Parker, um, Parker Brothers. <laughs> yeah. I, it, so we had the uh, Monopoly guy, we had the mannequin, we had uh, the rubber ducks, rubber duckies, we had the Het Newsbud guy. I mean, you, you throw like Abraham Lincoln in there and a bear and you got like mid-90s Conan. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Man, th- there's some of that rough draft magic coming to the media pit. I love it. <laughs> okay, let's start with the women's race oh no even before we get to the women's race i i want to talk a little bit about this series so this is the you know the x2o potty cross it's it's done by time right overall is done by time so uh it's cumulative throughout the 
eight races. Couple questions for you all. First off, what do you think about the schedule? I mean, the schedule is weird. Like we had the first race, Copenberg Cross, just happened on Halloween. Next race is a month from now. So we have a month between races and then sort of scattered down there between. I mean, I guess with the super prestige in there as well, but it just seems like you can't really gain that much momentum through the series. And the second second part of that is if you had to do this 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 scheduling, would you put something like the Copenberg first where you knew the chance for big time gaps to start out your series? Doesn't that seem like, I mean, it, it's sort of like the narrative is now everybody play catch up, right? Well, I will say uh, this isn't the first time it's happened. I think it's actually been like this for a couple of years and it's been weird where the, the uh, bike series formerly known as the DeVeve trophy uh, was kind of like super backloaded. But I will say this did has in a couple of the seasons, at least for the men, provided some intrigue for the men's race because uh, Vanderpool's kind of struggled a couple times uh, and he's found himself chasing some mat. There were two seasons where he found himself chasing a massive time gap and that added some excitement to the series because we're like, is he going to win the overall spoiler? I think the answer was yes in both cases. But so I don't know. But yes, you are right. It does create like these huge time gaps from the get go. So Vanderpool still has a chance to win the X2O Ducky Cross. Okay. All right. I mean, wouldn't that make things more interesting? Him taking a five minute gap or, you know, time deficit into the second race. Like, I love well, it. Speaking of Vanderpool, and how many times has he won Cup Cross? I don't know. Do you know? I do. Yeah. I'm curious. You guys know. Twice. Wrong. He's won it once. once. One time, yeah. I mean, I th- so, and this kind of, I think, maybe plays into what we'll get into later, and I'll set it up, but, like, the idea of this race, you see a lot of winners, like, some of the big names, actually, that's not true, because Sven Nye's won this race a bunch, but, like, on the women's side, you see Jolene Verschuren won this race, I think, two times. Um, it's sort of a race that doesn't really is like it, the favorites don't always win. And we saw that with, you know, primetime, um, my statement race rider not doing too well, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like I it also, wow, you're just going there, man. Um, I wasn't even gonna, I wasn't, I don't even know if I was going to go there, but all right. You no, just, we you should go there. The no, we, okay. The, and then the other, the other quiz question I had was speaking on that. How many times has Sana Kant won this race? Zero. Right. Here's so yep. it's it's a, I, I was going to make the same point, Michael, that it really is, especially on the women's side. This is a specialist race almost. You have Helen Wyman won this race four times, uh, even and and with a you know she won it like I think um, 2010 or 11, and then again like in 2017 she had like this you know she she would win it all the time, uh, and then you have Kin Vandesteen won it in 2018. Really haven't heard from her since. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Versuren, 2015, 2016. Sophie DeBoer won it in 2014. Zach. Uh, I was actually going to make this point that I think things are changing. And I think that um, in the past, it's definitely been a specialist race. But I mean, we'll get to it here pretty soon. But I mean, we had one, two, three, four, five. We had the five best riders that finished. Yeah. No, we had four of the best five plus whatever. But like the. 
our top riders were at the front of this race, and I think we're seeing it's changing in character. You know, because last year you had Yara won and Anne Marie finished second. You know, and I think Yara has proven that her her hot streak, unlike Kim Vandesteen's, because uh, they both got hot roughly the same time of the season. You know, hers has had some staying power. So I think it's. I would argue that it's maybe changing, and we've seen on the men's side that say hmm. Vanderpool racing like butt. Uh, we typically see the top dudes be successful here. So I don't know. That's a thing to watch, but you guys are right. It has been a specialist race for sure. Is this the fourth year finishing on third or fourth year finishing on the Copenberg? Do you know? No, you're right. Um, I think at least three. Yeah. Cause I was thinking Wyman about definitely won it on the climb. Right. Then, uh, well, that was I think 17, it's been five years, five years. Cause I swear in 16 okay. for sure. in uh, beat De Young, Lee De Young. Okay, it's a blast from the past. Because it's because <laughs> it's funny. Because you'll still get like this uh, this Twitter, you know, chatter about uh, oh, it was be- the course was better before. You know, just typical typical stuff. But I I love it finishing on the Copenberg cross the Copenberg. I think it makes for for just an amazing finish to a race, and and it played into at least in the women's race, which we'll get to. It it really added to the drama of the race for who was where coming in that, that final turn up, up the climb. I mean, that climb is an absolute kick in the face. Does Vanderpool get any points for this, for already, like, for winning Flanders on the Copenberg? Slow clap. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, we'll get into it. You know, which I I guess the year that this kind of reminded me of, you mentioned Helen Wyman. uh, That was a year that Katie Compton got to do it as her bucket list race. And, you know, I think is kind of how this ended up playing out is that Wyman would open up these huge gaps on the climb and then Katie would shut them down on the descent until the last lap or so. But it was just hilarious, like the discrepancy in terms of their two very distinct skill sets that played out. I think that played into this race even even more so and we'll get to it in that the leaders of this race on the penultimate lap had i think had that little um cookie put in their head where we 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 need to make sure that we're out ahead by the by the end of this race or or we're going to get caught so i think that they really pushed it you know the last lap to make sure they had a gap going into that that final climb and it in exactly the same way where helen wyman in the you know, it was a a race to the to the final climb, and um, she was able to get pretty close to Compton. So Compton came in there with like maybe two three seconds, and it just just wasn't enough by the time they got to the top. But let's uh, let's get into this. Um, let's start with the beginning. My my first note from the beginning of this race, as they were going down the line of all of the riders, Anne Marie Worst. I will give the prize to the most badass-looking person without glasses. I've noticed that. She doesn't rock them. She doesn't, and she always looks just intense as hell. Like, you go down the line, and she's just, like, game face on. And I, you know, it, it, and it particularly stuck out in this race. I, I thought that was, that was pretty cool. But first, basically, you climb up, you climb up the climb. Comer, I mean, think about that start. That's, that's got to just stink just right out of the gates where you're uh you're basically going up this uh, 22% climb and after that you go down a little bit come up and then there's a really big kicker on the grass that is again probably the same gra- I think you're probably heading back up to where the the cobble is coming at it like sideways um which some of the riders can ride 
Some of the riders have to dismount. There are no, there are no planks on this course. There's no forced dismount on this course. The only place that you may have to get off your bike really is this one section, which is pretty early and prime time, Zach, right from the go, not, you know, a little too far back. Yeah. I'll turn it over to Michael actually, like on this one. Well, no, I would just, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that that the, obviously the climb was an important part of this race, but that I was calling it the tree climb corner was really, I thought this sort of the deciding factor. And we saw in the first lap, you know, Yara had a dismount. Um, but that was always, we saw, like you said, Bill Betsima had a dismount at that point and the gap opened, but that, that section there was tough. And if you didn't get that right, that you, a gap would open right away. Yeah. And talking about Betsima, so she did sort of, I think screw it up for a lot of people behind her <laughs> early on, but then was able to get back up into it, into the race. And really she was the one that blew it up early. I mean, she, she got out front and really established this group, uh, on lap one with worst and brand and Yara all chasing down Betsima. And really from there, your selection is made and you got primetime kind of trying to, to get back on, you know, but she was, she had like this five second gap between her and the leaders as she just could never close down. So I think given recent uh, events, I think it's fair to say that we all thought that, I mean, it seems like I don't, I was thinking this, it seemed like there was a good chance that Betsimo was just going to run away with this race, uh, right away with it for the most part. Uh, <laughs> I guess she didn't run away with it. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But there was also the chance that, you know, Yara was strong here last year. And despite her not being the best bike handler on really a sloppy day last year, she still used her climbing to, to kind of get the win. And, you know, it's kind of like Betsima on that end of the first lap. So second climb goes and then Yara starts to chase after her. And I mean, where you got it, everyone must've been thinking like, Oh, here we go again. I, I was thinking that, but then I was also thinking, Zach, back to something that you were talking about last week, where it was almost like Brandon Worse looking at uh, uh, Yara and saying, you could, you going to let her do that? And, and <laughs> you know, she was the one that sort of pulled it back, but the problem was she left them behind when she was doing it and just oh, uh, went yeah. straight, straight, <laughs> straight to the front. And then uh, Worse and Brand sort of had to play, play catch up there, which they were able to do without too much difficulty michael by the second lap they were back on it yeah i mean i i I don't know what exactly happened to betsima because she was in that group and at some point you know like what no one knows like okay what happened i well it was no yeah so so i mean like you said earlier zach i mean she gets that gap it looked like she was breathing through her nose in the first climb up koppenberg and yeah i was not not feeling that but then then we saw the rest of the crew come up to the front and and push the pace and she drops off and yeah i mean it was really interesting to see and it was it, it 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 played out how you would imagine it would play out it was that Worst and Brand would punch up all those little short climbs, deftly handle the downhills, and then, and then we just see little gaps in Yara. But um, amazingly, Yara was able to just just throw out wattage bazookas and just like close those gaps finally. And you just think, man, if if Yara could just fix that part of her game, like she might be unstoppable. I don't know. I just it's 
I, I admittedly am a, a Yara fan. I, I think I like it because she has that like huge chink in her armor. Like I like that part of her, and so it makes me root for her. But um, yeah, I mean, I just 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 the way she came back two laps in a row on the climb to both Worst and Brand was unbelievable. Yeah. So what happened with uh, Betsimo's after? So they're coming. They're all together on the Copenberg. They come out of it. You were talking about Tree Hill, and that's that's what got her. And it was it was it was just they they all all the leaders the three went through, and Betsima dismounted to run it. And it's like she forgot how to run, and, and she was just moving <laughs> so weird. So it was really weird slowly, and just completely lost the group. And from there, and and she from that point on. So that was third lap. Yeah. And, and, and she kept that same gap the whole way, you know, it was like, she was fine after that. And then just maintained that gap, but was never able to, to catch back up while that's happening. Another thing that's, that's going on, Annie Van Alphen catches Alvarado and passes her, uh, after Lechner passed her. And the interesting thing was Lechner, I think, you know, we talk, we want to talk about Yara and we sort of give Alvarado sometimes a pass on her technical skills, which I think are pretty good. Lechner was giving her a clinic on how to ride right. that course. And she was trying to stick on Lechner's wheel most of the time. And I think really sort out the lines as she was going, but just was never, never really able to, to, to close it down. Yeah. You also had, uh, her teammate, her young teammate, Puck Peters, uh, battling out with, with, uh, prime time. Uh, but Celine sort of got her in the end on the Copenberg. So the thing I'm watching, I'm not going to lie. I'm on team puck. She's a ginge. Uh, I am very pro ginge as a ginger myself. <laughs> ginger who's going gray. Her hair looks much better than mine in terms of its redness. Um, you know, I felt like going into last year, I think with that first junior women's race, uh, puck has had a lot of hype. I mean, she's on the Vanderpool squad. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, um, burn behind her and just talking to some people who know things were like, this woman is going to be the next star of cyclocross. And Sharon Van Androy just stole her thunder, like in the biggest way, just totally like, <laughs> was like, Oh, cool story, bro. Like, uh, have fun finishing second at Worlds. I'm way better than you. <laughs> I think I'm guessing uh, Team Ginge has a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. And, you know, I think that these are the kind of results that I'm going to be looking for because uh, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe they lo- love each other, but I, I think that it's an interesting battle uh, given the past. And so that's one that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. All right. Cool. Uh, moving a little forward into the race. One th- part I saw was actually. Um, that worst actually got caught behind Yara in the uh, in the rubber ducky turn and made her go foot down, which let Brand get about a second or two. And it was really it was it was again it was Brand doing Brand where she's tail gunning a lot of the race until a couple to go, and then finally goes out front. And then that that's the point where I think uh, worst got out a little bit, but then caught back up. And then Worst made her move and just went. And Bran was able to keep it. And that's what caught Yara kind of uh, flat-footed and opened up a gap. And this is where the race gets interesting, I think. So you got you got Bran and you got Worst really sort of nailing the last third of the course before the Copenberg with, and they're going to come up to the, to the bell. And I went back and rewound it. They hit the Copenberg 
and it is 6.21 seconds before Castelline gets to the base of the Copenberg. And at the top, they're all equal with one to go. So here would be what I would say should have happened. Yara caught them, and I think she let up. And if she wants to win this race, because we're talking about what does she have to do to win races, she should have kept going. She should have pushed it. She should have gone out front into that final lap. And instead, I think she just was happy to be in the group and wanted to play that group dynamic and then lost it again. That's the same story as Rudevorda last week. I mean, she seemed just content to be in the group. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I noticed, so we talked about last week, I, my big past question was, uh, how does Anne-Marie Worst beat primetime? This was in uh, my notes. Wh- I was like, Zach, she was listening to you. What do you do? So, <laughs> well, so that's one answer. But I, I think watching, watching Worst in the last lap of like, of, of Rudevorda and I don't know, even to a lesser extent, Berenjen, it's just, she kind of had, I, there's just something that seemed, she seemed very in control. Like when it finally occurred to her, as you mentioned in the fourth lap that like, Hey, not bombing this descent and trying to drop cast line is a really bad idea. And she just kind of like lit up and I, she just seemed more confident. She seemed like, all right, look, here's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to bomb this descent. And she just, to me was riding like someone with a lot more confidence. And I kind of, if one of, I just wonder if, I mean, I'm looking back and I, I, I have plans to do a blog post about it, but she finished second to Alvarado a lot in the last like year. And I just kind of wonder if that's, you know, like when she's in that group, if that's not in the back of her head and it's like, all of a sudden you take away this, the one person who's been beating you and you're like, I'm better than everyone. I can, I can take control of this. Uh, I don't know. I just saw more confident riding from her uh, in the last two laps of the race. Yeah. And then the last lap, this is what I was alluding to with the comparison to that, uh, Katie Compton, Helen Wyman battle. You knew that worse than brand after seeing, Yara being like, Hey guys, Hey guys, I'm here. Don't, don't forget about me on the, on the last lap. We're like, we need as much time as we can possibly get before we hit this, uh, hit this climb the last time or else we're, we're not going to be winning the race. And the final time they come in there, I think it's, it's back and forth between brand and worse. Worst hits the uh, cobbles first with a brand right on her wheel. Castelline is 5.47 seconds behind. So actually even a little less yet, Michael, what happened on the last climb? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, you do that climb too many times from the back. Uh, You're not going to be able to have the steam at the end. And I mean, I mean, it was, it was a great, exciting finish and I was rooting for her to, to make it up. But at some point I want to say that like the last quarter of that climb worse just, went full out sprint and she, she dropped, you know, dropped quote unquote, you know, on a brand fairly easily got the wind and, and Yara, Yara crawled, crawled in for third. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the confidence, Zach, I think I noticed that too, just in the fact that, uh, worst had an incredibly clean race. Like maybe there was that one dab you were mentioning bill, but I, I, I was just noticing she didn't have any, any incidents. And so, Talk about, you know, what does it take to beat Alvarado? You know, the course, I think, played something into this. You know, like I said, we saw this in Berenjen where, I mean, she was on the way to get second, but then she crashed, and so Alvarado beat her and got second. But I think, obviously, the course plays into that, uh, but also having just an extremely 
clean race is going to be a factor that she, like no no silly mistakes and we see those happen sometimes so on, on that sprint and again we can't really see how far back brand is but uh, you're you're our road racing guy michael <laughs> so i, I want to talk about this finish because it seems like cyclocross it's a different story especially when it's an uphill sprint they're not going fast but it seemed like Worst almost had like eyes behind her head. I mean, Brand went to the left into the gutter. Worst moved over to the gutter. Brand moves to the center. Worst is moving to this. It's like she was blocking her the whole way up. There was like no way for her to pass her, even if she could. I mean, I think that they're going slow enough where you can pro- you can hear those things, right? You can sense that. So I guess that's the one benefit of uh, sprinting this style. Yeah, couple couple notes here. One thing that you know, again, looking at these tracks, looking at uh, um, last week versus this week, we're talking about the this the the sprint before the sprint in the sand. Here, it's just first one to the finish. You know, the t- completely different strategy, which I love week to week. I I, I will say the one thing that the organization uh, fell down a little bit. They didn't have enough catchers at the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> like there was there was somebody there for brand to push her up there was somebody there for worse and then and then yara just collapsed uh, after she got over the finish line and zach i do want to mention this before i forget magley rochette listening to the podcast yeah she wore that pan ams kit that's it no more red kiss it was looking she great al- she also got 16th so just you know keeping it wide angle podium strong uh, Alvarado ends up minute 53 back. So she's got her work, at, uh, to do. I don't think, I don't see that's the thing. Like in the women's race, you know, we're talking about Vanderpool, which made it exciting. It's the same thing. Like when he crashed on the flyover in the first turn last year and you're like, Oh, this is gonna be exciting. He has to make up two minutes to win the race. And he did. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, she can't make up two minutes in this series. There's no way. Well, I don't races, know. I mean, nine races, I mean, eight races. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the based on the way that I feel like that group races, they are fairly close usually. So yeah, that does sound like a lot, um, but it'll keep us coming back, right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we don't norm- we normally don't do this and just do the results rundown, but I think there's a few notable things, you know, that have <laughs> that have like occurred on this the show, things that have become a thing. And I mean, first, this was the you first. You want to talk uh, about Lada Kapeki in eleventh? I know, right? Great, great finish for road racer slash track racer. Well, so uh, first Belgian, so congratulations <laughs> to her. Uh, first Belgian <laughs> in eleventh. Uh, two. Where's shot zone? Come on. Wow, we're getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So Sorry. two, I mean, Bill, did you, did you put your money on Ava Lechner to be the, the Dutch top nine spoiler? I did not. No, I maybe should have. I mean, she's, she's actually coming I, I think here she's, hot. You know, I think we were looking at Sana Khan. I think if Ava Lechner keeps racing cyclocross, I think that she right now is our top hope to spoil the Dutch wide angle podium. I'm just putting my money on it right now moving on verdon shot the verdon shot zone didn't really happen 13th a little bit disappointing uh and michael you know i was gonna get here because you brought it up someone made a statement last week they a very strong statement Uh. that they were ready to ride at the top of the top they were they're ready to ride in the top 20 i'll give them credit michael what was man and backers statement this week uh well, she doesn't watch for Gay G, not her thing. She's a power. She's a pure power writer. I mean, 
look, at primetime, got seventh. Zach, you came out saying her first win was a statement, and then what happened? She got seventh. So uh, I mean, she finished second at Beringen, <laughs> and she also won at Rudevorda. But, I mean, we can just gloss over the, 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 the races that happened in the I stand by what I said. Now, okay, next race is hopefully Euros, and, I mean, right. okay. Ho- hopefully she does. <laughs> if she gets 20th again, then maybe maybe I eat crow. So Zach, if if we if we do want to like finish sort of put a bow on this, uh, and you were talking about all the second places for Anne Marie, is this a statement race for her? No, it's the Copenberg. I mean, the Copenberg is an exception. I, I don't think that you can look at this race as a, I mean, it, it's unique, it's special, uh, but it favors a certain skill set. So I think Euros. I mean, if she wants to make a statement, I, I, Euros. Let's do it. I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a banger. You're you're okay. saying if Anna Marie wants to make a statement, I mean she's already won Euros. Does she need to make a statement? Oh yeah, I mean she needs to get that jersey now. Get it back. Well, yeah, she can't let primetime beat her. Like that's that's. I mean, this could end up being the biggest race of the year. We don't know what's right, going to yeah. happen. But no, I think it's kind of like uh, primetime, and primetime brings it when it's primetime, and well. I guess I guess we're gonna have to come back and see what's going on with uh, the men's race, and if if under Zach's if there is an exception to Zach's uh, definition of a statement race. So let's go to that men's race. Tone from the beginning, he's the man. He's the boss. He leads it out up the climb. First place looks like it's gonna be uh, what Tone does. But is this now what Tone does, Zach? And and is this a concern? I mean, I don't know. He's looked, or is this good. the Copenberg again? And it's an exception. Well, no. I mean, I think part of part of what the the Twitter sphere was chiming in. I, I I don't I don't know where Michael and I really disagreed on this, but I said Tone just looked terrible last week, and he was making mistakes that he normally doesn't do. He's normally the one that chases the attack when when Ailey goes, and he didn't. He had to look to Lars Vanderhaar to do it. Um, and this week, I mean, he started strong and then he just exploded. I just, he seems like he's on bad form and I think it's definitely for him a concern with euros a week away. Like it's a weird season, but it's definitely, I think a race on that calendar, the way it's set up that you want to be peaking for. It's crazy that he's on bad form, but he's won three races this, this year. I mean, I don't, I I mean, who do you think is the favorite for euros right now? What kind of course even, is it? I don't even know what it is. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. Yeah, we don't know what the course. I would say uh, Ezerbeat is the favorite for Euros, just in the way he's riding. He seems <clears throat> Ezerbeat is definitely exuding confidence um, on the bike and off. If you read some of these interviews with him, so like, yeah. I, I, I so last week we disagreed in the fact that I said that Tone was feeling so good that he over raced. Um, oh, where you were think, saying he was out of form. I was feeling saying that he felt so good. This this race completely different. I, I think Tone didn't look good all race and was suffering. And Ellie was obviously, you know, a much better form. Well, and I'm not making a broad statement. I, I'm just making from an eyeball test. Like it just it looks like something's up with Tone. Like he yeah. hasn't felt well. Uh, a, a week or two and going into euros next weekend like Ailey is racing really really well and very confidently and he looks strong his attacks are crisp you know the moves that he makes when he wants to make them look good 
did you notice at the beginning of the race, like Ellie's not at the front. He's sixth, seventh, eighth in there. Takes a bike 10 seconds, 15 seconds into the run. I mean, after the Copenberg cross, they come down first pit and he changes up a bike. I bet he, I wonder if he, do you guys think it was, I'm guessing gearing. What do you guys think? Do you think he had a climbing bike? Was this like 100%. a was this like a, a time trial a tour time trial new new age tour time trial? I figured it was something like that. I think even Jay Powell mentioned that on the the stream. But it yeah, the fact that he went stride it straight in like it seemed that was planned. That's I mean, Bill, you've been you've been to the Copenberg. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, you read the gra- I read the grade. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty steep. But I don't know. Like I, it's c- comparable to some of the stuff we have. In I mean, how steep and hard is that? Like. What kind of cassette would you want for climbing that? It's, I mean, it's a hard climb, but I think it's, it's the, I mean, on a road bike, it's like the slickness too. That's the thing. Like if there's any kind of moisture on that thing, it's just so hard to ride up because you got to ride it seated. You know, you got to like just go in there on a, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's worth changing a bike for that. That seems kind of silly. And do they, so did he bring like, four bikes was that like just the, the starting <laughs> climb bike i don't know well i mean they could take one bike out and swap a cassette off to the side i don't know yeah we'll i mean they that. love it's cyclocross people love doing that thinking that that's going to make the difference in the race or whatever right that is a very cyclocross thing to do yeah so uh you know we talked a lot about the the um makeup of these races this season zach no variety at the condiment bar this week just uh just one sauce just one (laughs) sauce up front just a little sporty sauce and now that was about it um i i mean is this like are you opening the door to talk about about our man our man q yeah we've you know our, our man quentin uh he i'm gonna do it do it can i do it our man Q, if you will, he's not been anonymous at the front of these races, uh, and I think finally on the result sheet on the wide angle podium, I, Q stuck one. I, you know, we've talked about it. He started strong. Did you guys notice something different? What do you guys? I mean, what's up? Why is this? Why didn't he finish ninth? Like he's been doing it every other race. Is is this? Uh, are we finding out that that Quentin Ehrmans is a climber? I mean, is this? Ooh. I mean, he's short and a road racer. He's he's done some mountain bike racing it. too. He's done okay. some World Cups, so maybe maybe this was just it. It fit him fit him better. But again, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I I think for him, I think this has just been building. I mean, he's you know we look at this with all all these racers. He's not like that many. Was the second year in the elites? I think fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah. Wow. Is it really? Good Lord. He's racing age 25, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, middle-aged by cyclocross standards. But, middle-aged. you know, maybe maybe, maybe it is that learning curve. Maybe he's learning how to, how to stick, it, stick it at the front. Uh, yeah, but, but uh, I mean, I, I think the biggest story here is that Ellie and Tone were together at the front. Looked like every other race that we've seen for a couple laps. But then Ailey really just... Um, well, no, actually, at first, it, it was uh, Lars was about four or five seconds back, uh, Vanderhaar, and was able to make that group. So then it was a group of three. And then I think that Ailey really, he kept looking back, and 
I, I did make the joke there weren't any more condiments, but one was coming up there, and he he waited for Vantronauts. He caught up, and Ailey looked at, it, it was like road captain, and he looked at Vantronaut, and he basically was like, go to the front, and he let him be at the front for, I counted, three seconds. And then he passed him back. And here, here, here's what I want to say about Ezerby because everybody was making the thing. He was like, "Oh, well, he's that much faster on the Copenberg cross. On the Copenberg, it's just when he gets to the Copenberg, he's better than these other guys." He was better on the on the tricky turns, like that last turn. I don't think it was the rubber ducky turn, but it was the last turn before. It was the one that he almost ate it on the first lap, going into where he where he took the lead. He was cutting inside a tone and passing him on this tricky descent, like almost every time. I mean, he just had that thing nailed. And I think he was handling the rest of the course better than those guys as well. Like it wasn't just like, oh, this guy's a faster climber. I think like all around, he was a better racer on that day. I got a question. So, I mean, since we're we're recording this, it's before election day. Got to get last, you know, election stuff in there. We've seen uh, debates, you know, things have been memorable. Everyone talks about like the Al Gore sigh and stuff. What? And I think there was an instance of someone checking their watch and it, people made a big deal. What was up with Ailey checking his watch every five minutes? Well, he definitely was doing it at the sprint point. Like he would come under the the Dave Ave, now the Ducky Cross, you know, they have that they have that mid race, mid lap sprint point. And he definitely would go under there and then be doing a time check for himself. I don't know. Was he like was his coach? Was he doing like some uh some interval like workout for his coach? Or what what was going on? Michael, what's the what do you got? I, I didn't notice that. Okay. I, I think he was he was he was doing the KBH uh in race uh intervals. That's how good he is right now. <laughs> But it was like it was one time you're like, all right, well that's interesting. But I counted at least three separate times Wait, that he maybe checked he's his checking watch. Twitter. <laughs> so I mean, do you guys think it was it a flex? Was it like I mean, was that a flex? Maybe. Maybe it was like, hey guys, just wait until I'm at the Copenhagen Cross. Because as much as I was saying he was nailing uh, all the other aspects of it, he was that much better on the climb. And then lap four, uh, when this race pretty much ended, he gets to the top of the climb and has a thirteen second lead. And it's then it's kind of four laps of watching Haley ride around on the front. The only really notable thing after that would be what's happening behind Tone sort of falling off the pace. And then Zach, what's going on behind the race? Guys, I was really concerned coming into this. And I, I guess at this point, like my blog post will have already come out, but I had started a blog post. And I, I think this was last week. We talked to our friend, Becca Ferringer via Twitter. And she said that Lars was never gone. And so I did a deep dive, used some cross metrics or whatever in terms of, uh, you know, where's Lars has been. Can he officially be back? That kind of thing. Long story short, I started it before this race and I was like, you know, it'd really suck. is like if Lars finished like eighth at Copenberg cross, cause that <laughs> would just totally like harsh my mellow. And I'd be like, well, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? He delivered. And I am declaring Lars is back. I have a question to that. Lars is back. Back to what? Like, what does that mean? Because and you, you brought the stats. You showed me the stats. Like, I feel like getting second is the Lars that we've seen over the past couple of years. Not, not a lot. Like, not, you know, he's kind of he's a sub topper. So second is sort of high and, you know, almost elite. To me, like, if you want to, like, so if he's back to that, then he is. But, like, what, Lars won the World Cup 
overall in 2014. That was his best. 2013, 2014 was his best season yet. So he's not back to that, right? So like, what what is he back to? I mean, you're citing that though, but I mean, if you look at his if you look at his numbers, his best season from a cross metric standpoint, if we're going to get advanced about it, was 2014, 2015. So I so mean, five he finished, years ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, part of part of the fun thing about Lars, the, the, is he back? It's it's a joke. You know, it's kind of like it's very okay. nebulous. It's very nebulous, just him being back. But you're right. Like, he's not competing for the win. Um, yeah, he's not at that where he is even a topper. He's definitely firmly established himself as a sub topper now and, you know, has shown that he can't compete with, with Ailey at the front, but I mean, it's still good to see him competing, you know, adding to that WAP. He's at a, he's at a 50, 50% OPP for the season. He's turned in some nice results. He's back. I, I, I'm not, not like a Lars hater at all. I don't, I, I like Lars. Lars is one of the first, uh, riders. I really remember a lot. Thanks to Bill and the Vander, uh, Vander Holshot infamous. Um, so like, yeah, I, I just, I think Lars is like a rider who sort of maybe he he had a great peak and then he I think he, he got injured and it was like he was he was like coming back for two years and so I guess in certain sense a certain sense seeing him at second being better than Tune is sort of the next step um, and I'm yeah I'd like to see him continue to do that this season. Well, and that's kind of the level that he he was at. Like he suffered a knee injury actually at Rudevorda in I want to say it was 2016. Um, and so he was coming off a second place at Worlds behind Wout Van Aert. Uh, top of his game, you know, he was still not he was not old man Vanderhaar yet. And <laughs> you're right, he got injured, and he still had a really good end of that season. He finished I think fourth in Luxembourg at Worlds. So like he still. Kind of, you know, he he won Hooger, the Hoogerhide World Cup. He was the only person not named Matthew or Wout who won a World Cup that season. Um, but yeah, uh, then kind of as I found out, like things just fell apart for him halfway through 2017, 2018. It was unreal. Like, I'm not sure he ever really fully, maybe now, recovered from that knee injury. It seemed like that thing lingered for a real long time. But he still kind of had results that suggested. Um, I mean, just for a random fun fact, like 2017, 2018, first half of the season, the first 16 races, his OPP was over 50%. So he had finished, he had podiumed in nine of the first 16 races. Somehow Zevin World Cup happens. Maybe it's because they never paid anyone. Um, his OPP the rest of the season was 6%. Like it, j- he just <laughs> fell apart after the beginning of December that season and just wasn't the same from December 2017 until, hey, now. So he's back. I love that you have that season broken into to two points. Like you have, you've, you've, de- you've dove that deep into the stats, Zach. I love it. This is great. I, this I is mean, between get here, uh, between Bill giving you time gaps to the nearest hundredth of a second and this kind of deep dive, this is the kind of, this is the kind of cyclocross coverage you get uh, at cxhairs.com. I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't do our recurring bits. Michael, Sonowatch. Uh, I, f- I forgot I had a, I had a joke. Uh, batten down. Uh, no, not batten down. Oh, 
No, sorry. We we've we've uh, we've turned the ship around, and we're in a safe harbor for now. I I I think they 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 stop trading on on the floor. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's talk, let's talk. she didn't start the race. Just straight up said like I'm not doing well. Obviously, we see the results, and it's like why would I even go to the race? And why? Yeah. Like you said before, in the being the show, she's never won there. Um, I don't know. I hope, hope she figures out what's going on. Oh, we forgot our other bit. So our other, other stonk, <laughs> uh, trending down. I, Michael, is Lauren Sweck elite? Oh, no, not at all. He's, he's stonking. I mean, he started out his, his results so far this season. If we're going to talk statistics and you know basic excel adding trend lines three two three six five eleven trending down yeah i i mean look i think it's i think it's a horses for courses and uh, i this is like an anomaly in terms of my measuring whether or not he's elite so okay i'll hold that judgment for now so we're leaving it even yeah so we I mean, were at, we were kind of at subtopper before, I believe, yeah. right? Is he okay. is he making up the four minutes and eight seconds to win the series? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm selling that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, what? Anything else in there? Oh, Thomas Main should uh, shout him out. Um, other than Lars Vanderhaar, well, you know, he, he, first non-Dutch or Belgian in uh, seventh seventh place. Good good race for him. He's he's. He's having a year. This is the second, uh, second, second race up there. It'll be uh, interesting to see. You know, Cameron Mason, another uh, UK guy there, twenty-one. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Pidcock comes in there. They're starting to uh, leave their mark on the sport. On the other side, on the women's side, Ruby West, another one who did not start the race. Uh, training, training mishap, um, but should Uh-oh. be, I guess, be ready to go in two weeks because she can't race. Even though she's on a Belgian team, she can't race you know, Euro champs as a Canadian. And uh, <laughs> well, since we're do we're checking in. Yeah, Thibaut Nyes, DNF. Yeah, that's it. Tough day for the young gun. All right, uh, I guess we should check in since we did last week uh, domestically. Uh, still racing on the front range. Uh, still a lot of American hopefuls out there, especially on the women's side, uh, toeing the line. Michael, I think you got the results. What uh, what happened out there in Colorado? Yeah, I mean, it, you could just look at this and think it was a U.S. UCI race. You had uh, Katie Compton in first, Ellen Noble second, Maddie Monroe in third, and uh, Katie Keogh in fourth with Michaela Thompson in fifth. So. It's a strong field. It's a solid wide angle podium, and I'm assuming Brunner won the men's race. Yes. Sorry. Let me uh, scroll down. Get. Uh, yeah. We, so in the men's race, Eric Brunner, Scott Funston, Daxton, Mock, and Bren Frederick in fourth, and Brennan Fix in uh, fifth place. Nice job. Uh, yeah. And I, I think we're, you know, it following all of these riders on social media, it seems like their decisions are changing day by day. I believe, I forget who it was, somebody was backing up their departure day again. And I don't know. I mean, I guess they're getting these races in, which is good to get some preparation. But 
do you think anybody even goes, Zach? I mean, do, I, from what I heard, I will say this. I, I will say this, that from my sources, I heard that they are going to at least try to address the point um, inequity that is happening right now for American and North American racers. So we'll see if that happens on the UCI, that they are going to somehow not penalize all of North America for not being able to race. That is supposed to be addressed. It's actually fixed. I don't know, but at least addressed. So we have that going on. But any any prognostication on if anybody even makes it over there, Zach? I By the time we post this, won't we know if our friend Becca Ferringer, she was supposed to get on a plane on Tuesday. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, one of the things that I read suggested that, uh, even though Belgium is like canceling stuff left and right, that they might make an exemption for professional athletes and professional athletics. And so we saw with like Copenberg, they canceled juniors. Uh, we saw with euros, Belgium was like, we're not sending our juniors. And then the Euro Federation was like, yeah, we'll just cancel that race then Um, (laughs) conveniently after Belgium made that decision. Uh, But it seems like we might have an elites only for now. So, I mean, I don't know. I I guess didn't Belgium also not send any U 23s. Yes, you're right. They canceled both those races. I think, Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like, I don't know what it's going on the ground, but this might be workable. Yeah, they did limit. I mean, we didn't talk about it. They did. Uh, Belgium also had some health department rules that forced them to limit competitions to 75 participants. And they have this whole slew of rules on who can be eligible for that. The first one being if you're in the top 50, you're allowed to race and then down from there. The one interesting thing that sort of got my like whole like rule brain ringing was that they're going to they will allow 15 non-belgian racers that's kind of their quota there have to be 15 non-belgians in that 75 and then i sort of went down and figured out who in the u.s uh, would be able to to make it in there it's pretty much everybody i think has a shot you know the the, the thing on the women's side is that the Dutch are going to take all 15 of those spots basically for non, non Belgians. And then, uh, people were timing. It was like, well, don't they have to have from five different nations and all this other kind of stuff, this whole debacle that we had in, in the U S and, Oh no, 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 they don't. Because that rule doesn't exist anymore. It it all got redlined in uh, January and no longer do you need five separate countries and 10 foreign riders. I mean, it was pretty dope how for a couple of years they just killed U.S. Cross and then they were like, lols, just kidding. Well, it, it was even worse than that because what, you know, you'd get the, well, actually, uh, crew who would say, well, actually, it was always in the rules. If you would read the rules, you would know that you would had to follow that. So they're just following the rules. And we're like, well, they never followed the rules. So it sort of gives you the impression that the rule is not going to be followed and then you have your race and then they decide for one year to follow the rule destroy u.s cyclocross and then the next year say oh that was probably too much and redline the rule yeah i i i'm not very optimistic about the resolution that they have for the uci point thing i just 
I mean, given what we've seen, I mean, kudos to them for potentially maybe talking about possibly addressing it. But I mean, just we've seen case after case like this where it's just like totally arbitrary and capricious. And I, I don't I just don't have much confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Especially from the input from from at least the the power in the rate in the sport, which is the Belgian teams. Look, they they were all in favor of the US not have they, they were the ones that were complaining the most about the USC ones having too much of a weight for uh, North American riders. So I guess they got their way. So this will be pretty much the same. Why did that even matter to them? So we have the Americans on the front front line of races in Europe, but they didn't finish. And I, I just had that thought. It's Why like did that matter at all? Sports radio, the equivalent of sports radio. You know, it's something to something to complain about. So they complained about okay. it. You know, and fans complained about it, and then it became an issue, and then they very quickly took care of it. Do they have like cyclocross sports radio in Belgium? Like, do fans call in with like hot takes about Ailey and Anne Marie Worst and primetime? And they, if they don't, it's just, it's just, it's just the bar. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet they do though. I mean, they get into it, they get into it on in the newspapers for sure. You know, it's it's definitely old school. Yeah. I mean, look at all the stuff that went on between Wout and Vanderpool. I mean, look at even a couple years back when it was like, do you remember when they were like showing each other's like uh, drug test results and like asking other riders to do the same? It gets just like, it gets crazy. Hmm. It's nothing compared to what, what, um, North American riders deal with, but then again, those guys are actually getting paid real money, so they can take it. <laughs> yeah. So we're uh, we're still under an hour somehow. Bill, who won the week in cyclocross? Oh my, who won the week in cyclocross? Zach, not to steal your thunder, but I'm gonna say Lars Vanderhaar, best comeback since Johnny Cash's American Recordings. Lars Vanderhaar won the week. Wow. That's good. Michael, who won the week? <clears throat> Rubber ducky sells. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. All right, Zach. Finish us off. Bring us home. Big finish. I'm going to play it straight. And I'm going to give it to Anne-Marie Worst. I think that she uh, she showed something and figured out that like she can race confidently and win a bike race. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give it to Anne-Marie Worst. Awesome. Statement. Searching for the stories outside of cycling, but still inside cycling? The Gravelot is a weekly interview series where we talk about our shared experiences in the cycling community and talk with people that we think you guys might be interested in. Absolutely. And the Gravelot is actually not always about gravel, but it is the place that is your local trailhead. It could be the meetup parking lot where you meet your friends. Or the post-ride watering hole. It's really the place where you sit down, share your stories, and talk about life. Yeah, and dive into the things that really matter to you on two wheels or beyond the gravelot has brand new episodes every single thursday morning along with a bi-weekly editorial column every other tuesday so check out the show check out the beeline and join the conversation and find out all you need to know about the gravelot at thegravelot.com